Hi, Amber. Hi, Megan. Hi, Adrian. Hello, ladies. <laughs> welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Thank you, Megan. Megan, welcome to Bad Movies Rock here on International Talk Like a Pirate Day and oh Female my. Friendship Day. Wow. It is, it is a day to be recording. What a day to be recording. And my brother's birthday, which is the most salient point. But and, and weirdly, as a gift for me on his birthday, he gave me the perfect information to celebrate this day. Talk like a pirate day and female friendship day. Megan, did you know? Okay. Adrian, did you know? R. That there were two women who were pirates, who dressed mm-hmm. up like men, were insanely mm-hmm. ruthless... And became mm-hmm. friends and possibly even lovers. I did know that. They can't hear my eyebrows. My eyebrows are way up. <laughs> <laughs> but did you knew that before you knew that when TJ I, sent the article? I didn't actually read the article he sent. I actually knew that before from um, there's a there's a kids book about female pirates that uh, I have read before. That is and, uh, deeply inappropriate considering it, what what all they got up to. Yeah, is it Bonnie and Annie? Is that right? It is. It, it is indeed Pirate Queens and Bonnie and Mary Reed. Yes, they were. They were besties. Oh, and Bonnie and, and Mary Reed. Yeah, in yes, in the right. article, they say they were known for their ruthlessness as much as they were known for their gender. So I'm glad that they're in a kids book. There's anecdotes where, like, when she got on the ship the first time, to if the first crack they made about her gender, she just stabbed him in the heart. Like it's. <laughs> Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Bonnie and Reed were not fucking around. No. She was like, not. who's penetrating who? Exactly. <laughs> it, I, they were that kind of lady. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I have to indulge like my occasional female uh, power moment dreams. Tampon torches. Who's penetrating who? There's probably other ones. We will uncover all of them. I really, really hope so. And I really want to get them documented because I think that they're important. Someone must weaponize the tampon. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm looking at you, Mila. (laughs) (laughs) Our our friend um, who uh, uh, plays D&D with us, um, Sophia, um, she um, is also an artist. And one thing she does is she digitally puts tampons in the place of weapons um uh like as a as a as an art thing so it's like you know um ray from star wars and but instead of a lightsaber she's holding a large tampon and etc for a heavy flow day mm-hmm. my yes. my favorite art thing just happened do you, do you guys know that commercial welcome to minstrel jokes on your birthday tj mm-hmm. you're welcome happy um, birthday the, the commercial with um, – it's a comedian, but she's doing a tampon commercial, and, and it's about how, like, they have different levels. And she's like, I'll take a regular for today and a super for tomorrow. And the response is, nice. <laughs> <laughs> what? Excellent order, madam. Sure. Every single time I'm like, what? Why are you congratulating me? I right. hate you right now. Like even 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 in the context of I'm I'm sure kind of the the parallel is between you know like ordering at a restaurant or some some such. No one. Why do you get complimented for your food order? Ooh, the salad, well done. Ooh. <laughs> oh, the chicken. Oh, you 
you fucking connoisseur devil. Way to go for that chicken. Good job. I am also confused how you would know what you needed for the next day. That is not that is not how I work. Everybody's different, you know. Yeah. Yeah. True. Some people are menstrual chaos, some people are menstrual consistency. I keep my consistency with my menstruation and the chaos all in my head. <laughs> Excellent. Oh goodness. That's, that's my balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna be thinking all chaos or or consistency next time. <laughs> there's there's a follow-up story to this there are probably several chapters to unfold slowly did we watch a movie or do we I, I am more than happy to keep talking about this but now i'm realizing that people probably showed up to hear us talk about it. oh yeah 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 we um we watched karina karina <laughs> right 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 i still kind of want to keep talking about menstruation but i really I really like karina karina so i'm kind of, i'm torn it's, it's hard well maybe we can you know we can work it in yeah, we can work. We can either the movie or the menstruation into the topic. We can weave this tapestry. All right, all right, all right. Both, both happened in 1994. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the lifespan of me. Hmm. I wasn't there yet. I had two more years. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Yeah. You should love Late your mother more. more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we watched a movie. I we did. love that every time we watch a movie, it's like, oh, Megan hasn't seen this movie. Right? Like, I, I haven't seen most movies, yeah. It, I love that so much. And the fact that I withheld the information that this is a movie that, particularly during my grad school years, I would watch for crying purposes. Like... This is tear therapy, crying yeah. catharsis for me. I have watched this movie exactly zero times without crying. Yeah, yeah. I, I also did not inform Megan that this is one of one of my little like tearjerker moments. I mean, usually the movies we watch are ridiculous and yeah. violent. This one's just a this is sweet not that. little. It's yeah, no, no, yeah. You... I love not preparing you for things. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, and, and 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 to be so consistent with like the the ridiculousness and 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 usually violence and such, and then to just be like, ha ha. <laughs> How would you like to see a little girl deal with the trauma of her mother's sudden death at the age of seven <laughs> in the nineteen fifties, Megan? And secret Jesus. Well, and secret <laughs> Jesus, sneak secret. Jesus. <laughs> it was a sneak Jesus movie. It's a sneak Jesus movie. It's your favorite things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is, I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you were expecting Whoopi Goldberg and Ray Liotta to play love interests of each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just exactly how you would stereotype them. Yeah, just obviously. Oh, yep. yeah. I mean, based upon their body of work, I, it was inevitable. It was an inevitable mm-hmm. thing that I, I was just anticipating seeing eventually. And I assume you were too, Megan. Uh, obviously. Hotties with the bodies, 90s style. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yep. Yep. Which brings us to our recurring segment that is slightly different from our normal recurring segment. Uh, I'm going to call it Adrian Wraps the Plot. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> oh, what? my God. Why did we waste all our time with oh anything else? Why have we said anything else, Megan? Why are we talking with our dumb <laughs> mouth holes? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, everybody. <laughs> Uh, 
Yes, I decided as I was listening to the 13th Warrior episode that <laughs> I I would do a wrap of Karina Karina as an ode to my spouse. I love this so much. This is yes. beautiful. Karina Karina, girl's mama didn't mean to leave the earth so early, but she did, and that's the scheme. And now Rayleigh Yoda's left behind to raise a silent child. His skills as a parent really need to be restyled. But have no fear, there's lots of ladies up in here. Vying for that job, that's all there was back in those years. Each one's a little strange. Joan Cusack is cray, but someone truly special comes up to the door one day. Karina and Molly form an instant bond, something she hasn't felt since she lost her mom. Manny learns Karina is creative and kind, and soon enough he's got that woman on his mind. Karina slowly rescues use molly from her shell one day she says your mama is in heaven not hell but your daddy's an atheist karina can't get with this tells lila i could not ascend molly's in the tub again karina you need to date this black man manny remarry as soon as you can neither takes this well-meant advice in matters of the heart they'll wait till it feels right molly speaks but as you can predict forget the thin they gotta go through more thick karina needs another job molly hates school manny's falling down at work and feels like a fool who's writing jingles that clang like a doorbell karina blows it up cause she knows the poem well Jenny really wants that man to scratch her itch. Congratulations, Manny Singer. No, fuck that shit. Getting stares from the neighbor, kissing accidentally, saying later and later, enjoying Manny's company now. Molly's whole life is up on cloud nine. But the story's got to twist one more time. They just found the cigarettes. Truancy yields regrets. Karina is fired. Grandpa Harry has expired. Manny can't let Molly fall into a hole. He goes to find Karina at her sister's home. Karina sees his love. His real... Real and not a joke, so he says, come in and meet these black folks. Your happy ending can't start right here. They'll struggle through some turbulent years. Karina and Manny raising their young girl in a 1950s world. You need bravery to swirl. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I actually, I teared up with joy. I, I have tears in my eyes of pure joy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I think you were very much concentrating, Adrian. But but I'm Amber and I were both like this, and like I was biting my hand. You guys, like jaw dropped. It was it was hysterical. I was I could see everything you were doing out of the corner of my eye. But like, if I forget to breathe once in that, the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> so uh, that yes. was so perfect. Yeah. Yes. It, was, it, it as I said, it was an ode to my husband not a contest but if you say that mine was the best i, I mean if, like the problem is it wasn't a contest i think your ode kind of also just dunked on him so hard it's 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 <laughs> just an, by existing no but it's see in that it is an ode to more than just his raps it is an ode to our entire relationship oh no <laughs> Holy shit, the mic drop tape a while after. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's right. awesome. Anyway, I studied pre-calculus harder. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh boy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still just processing. There's, that was there's so, so many good. things. There's so many so things. So many things. You got truancy in there. She which, got truancy in there. <laughs> Fantastic. The rhymes were on point. The meter <laughs> was great. And then just all the detail. You got mm -hmm. everything in there. Yep. Yeah. Holy I mean, monkeys. This I mean, this is how you succeed in school when you're when you're, you know, smart and you're in eleventh grade is you know that there's a test before they tell you there's a test. So in in 
a classic Adrian way, I knew there was a test, and I prepared early, and I started writing this rap, I don't know, maybe a day ago, two days ago, wow. because you can't do an ode and then have it go nowhere, you know? Nope. Yeah. So, this is... It's true. This That's is... about a hundred thousand times more time that Michael put, spends on Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is thus Said encaps- all do love Michael. Thus encapsulating who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Help. Yeah. There you go. I love you, Michael Blanc. <laughs> we love you too, and we love mm-hmm. your raps, the plots. It's just this was so beautiful, so yeah. fun. He Thank knows. You. Thank you. He knows. Uh, yeah, it helps. It helps that I I have this movie memorized because it occurred in the year that I was thirteen, which is emblazoned on my brain for all eternity. Yes. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about this this nexus of the nineteen ninety four movies. Is it just movies? It's no, it's for music too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you broke my mind when you told me this. And I like, I started looking things up. It is it is the soundtrack of my childhood and it all happened mm-hmm. in 1994 and I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. The there are so many things like Beck's Loser came out in 1994. Um I remember listening to Glycerine on mm-hmm. repeat mm-hmm. and then like in 1995 it became like at slumber parties it became a mix of glycerine and shania twain it was very weird yep. wow. um and but i think like my most like vivid visceral memory of 1994 is being in the lower level of the dairy queen that was about half a mile from my middle school and it was a day that the softball team and the boys wrestling team both had away games, which is highly unusual. And so all of the kids had walked down there to get ice cream and whatever other junk kids eat. And it was just like we were all scandalized because the boys were there, you know, like this very like, ah, trying not to trying to be cool and trying to pretend. And then <laughs> someone came in and said that Kurt Cobain had died. And I was like, that's fake. They're clearly lying. I, re- I remember that so vividly. I was like sitting up on the back of the bench. Because you're not supposed to, but you're on the lower level. They can't see you. Um, <laughs> I Yeah. So uh, Kurt Cobain died. And I feel like there's like a, a turning point in the universe when he died. Like, I feel like there's a version of an alternative timeline where he doesn't die and we never get a Britney Spears. Because like music stays in that like 1994 sweet spot. Mm. That's a very interesting point. Yeah. Because it really was like you had like Beck, Nirvana bush it, it was a very specific like alternative grunge rock kind of sound was really dominating what kids listen to like i i am curious if there would have been a space for britney spears or even if they would have conceived of a market for a britney spears mm-hmm. oh that is intriguing and 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 for flavor you also have like bc boys the communication comes out like mm. just how edgy and grungy and angry do you want to be you've got nine inch nails if you want it oh, that's um, right yeah it's zombie there. by the cranberries right yeah 94 yeah. what 1994 weezer i remember having to explain to a popular girl named sunny day why i had the word dookie written on my folder it's like don't worry about it <laughs> Because Green Day, come on, get hip. If you don't, if you don't understand me, if you don't understand, I don't you need don't to understand. talk to you. No, yeah. if you don't understand my music, then you don't understand me. So, please. Pass What's on by. interesting is that like all three of us are slightly different ages. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest, than Adrian, than Amber. So it's not like we're all stuck in our 13 year old minds. 
Right. It's a couple years older for me and a couple years younger for Amber. Right. Yeah. You just kind of had yeah. to be in that year and be like, I think we all counted as tweens. Like none of us were quite mm-hmm. teenagers. Well, I, I mean, I was technically a teenager. But yes. Yeah, but you're you. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Neither am I, but it was surely insulting. <laughs> I, I've been told to include Final Fantasy 3. That's reasonable. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, I would say it's not that pivotal in terms of games. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good one, but it's not the one that people think about. <laughs> you just destroyed Michael's whole life. Um, <laughs> easier than I think, usual. I think the fact that, that this, this year had such an impact on all of us is probably related to the fact that it is, in fact, the nexus of the universe. And there's a theory of the universe that if you go out far enough, you end up coming back to where you are, but while going in a different direction. And that is exactly what has happened to us, because first podcast I did was Stargate 1994, and now here we are doing Karina Karina. Again, 1994. It's amazing that those those two movies, these two movies were made in the same year, released in the same year. It's amazing. <laughs> and I love them both. And I do yeah. feel like I'm going in a different direction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, since Metacritic didn't have anything to say, let me just briefly say that Rotten Tomatoes has it at 39 for the critics and 69 uh, for the audience score. I mean, 69, yay. But what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The critics 39 to this? What yeah, was their problem? <laughs> um, everybody loved Whoopi Goldberg. Fair. You should. Absolutely. I like. It's hard to really even say. I guess it, people call it like preachy and a manipulative tearjerker, which is just, I don't, and, uh, so some they, people do. These same people must just fucking hate This Is Us then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, some people didn't like uh, the chemistry between Whoopi and Leota. Yeah, but but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I learned recently that the writer-director, Jesse Nelson, this is actually loosely based on her life. Uh, her oh, mother died when she was very young and her father hired uh, a black nanny to to like you know take care of her while he was out working in advertising he wasn't a jingle writer but he did work in advertising Um, but she was 70 and uh but did like help her through her grief and like help her kind of through that experience and actually she remembers wanting the two of them to develop a romance and for this woman to become her mother so it's kind of a child fantasy aspect of it that, that hmm. plays into the, the movie as she wrote it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, she, this is actually kind of loosely based on her life. And and also um, the fact that she, it, it took her nine years to make this. It took several years to convince the studios to cast Whoopi Goldberg because they wanted to cast somebody more classically gorgeous and like with a specific figure. But then once they met her, and I think when they met her, Whoopi was like, People will believe me because I'm Whoopi Goldberg. Like, they'll see my soul in my acting and they'll feel me. And they were convinced. But it still took a very long time. And she decided to direct it because other scripts that she'd written about women had then been handed off to writers and directors that were entirely men. Mm-hmm. And she's like, they're not going to do this right. They don't know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this took a lot to make. 
and is kind yeah. of considered a bit of a sleeper hit. It was released at the same time as Forrest Gump. Um, and like Natural Born Killers were kind of both out in the same year and around the same time. And it still performed man. relatively well at the box office and was the film that they chose to screen at the UN, apparently. Oh, wow. They chose this over Forrest Gump. Mostly for time. Probably. Apparently, like <laughs> the year before they'd done The Lion King. Keep it PG. Keep it PG, people. Yeah. So that's, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I am curious. We can move out of the Critics Corner because 39% is just wrong. Yeah, it's incorrect. It's, it's like unequivocally incorrect. I, I feel like if you only watch the parts that Molly is in, that's 39 <laughs> like I get 39% pure joy from watching that little kid dance next to a pool. Right. Yep. Like, right. Yep. And like, if you just like, that's that in and of itself gives you like 40% enjoyment. And then it, you'd have to just ignore every other aspect of the movie to not at least have it in the sixties or seventies. Agreed. So a hundred percent wrong. And I am, I don't understand. Like I, we don't tend to do a lot of movies like this. So it's, it's not like I can pick out any patterns in the way that critics decide to score movies like this so low when they're so deeply entertaining. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why they didn't like it. It's very, very good. And, and audiences apparently really liked it. It was one of those things where they went in spite of how much the critics disliked it. Mm-hmm. So fuck you, critics. Let's talk about this movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this movie starts very both sadly and sweetly with the, with the, the the mom's funeral um so you know yeah it's, it's always I, a good yeah yeah i i, I, I really appreciate the, the uh opening scene um yeah not just because it sets up this whole grief story but because it like instantly brings you to a child's level yes and and you know instantly like this is about the healing of this kid right um so that that's probably my favorite thing about the opening for sure. And then you get quickly into the interviews. And uh, yeah, it, it every woman in this movie is crazy, except for Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> That's literally yeah. what Amber and I were talking about. Um, yeah. Right before. I, yeah. I can't say that I ever noticed that in the many iterations through my tears of watching this movie before. But it was such a good point when you guys uh, mentioned that. It's like, we have... Uh, we have made a movie that centers around women and still managed to stereotype them a wee bit too much. Yeah. Yep. It. It. I would argue also that Whoopi Goldberg's sister, while a naysayer and a bit of a, a killjoy, is also not crazy. So I would say the yes. all the yes. crazy people yeah. in the movie are white ladies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I just. I just went from forty percent joy to forty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> but i 100 percent agree that it it, the nanny interviews all stereotype women and then if they're not characterized as frigid old spinsters who shouldn't be anywhere near a child they are man eaters Mm -hmm. and there's this question in my mind about how so like the movie literally does start from molly's perspective she's sitting under the table at the funeral and and it's it's when we learn that's where she is we then come to realize why the camera has only been focusing on feet and legs and pantyhose lots and lots of pantyhose in various states Mm of disrepair and i'm so curious how whether or not to a certain extent we're kind of almost seeing her fantasy 
as opposed to the reality of it. And so like all of these women who are interviewing for this job are also interviewing to replace her mother. And maybe there's this this kind of perception of any woman who would do that is crazy and awful and some sort of villain. And, and at the same time, it's not like Molly is there when Joan Cusack crawls into bed with Ray Liotta on her first day at the job and demands sex. Yeah. So, you know, Amber, she was doing everything else a wife does, so. She should get the dot, things dot, dot, a dot. wife gets, <laughs> which apparently is that D. Mm-hmm. Give it up, Ray Liotta. But I guess widowers are just catnip to women. And, and maybe there is also something to be said for... As much as we do tend to focus on the limitations of Whoopi Goldberg herself as a black woman in 1959, there are also some less acknowledged, but I think still sort of hinted at aspects of just being a woman in 1959 and yes. what the limitations are for, for you. Like, the the only real competition for Ray Liotta's affections is like a single mother who also apparently seems to be a widower. And she seems perfectly financially stable but she still feels the need to have a man. And and there, there's that pressure to be matched with somebody, to have a father for your kids, to have a man to, to go home to. And I, I'm, I'm curious also maybe how much of that desperation is played for comedic effect and is a bit dehumanizing, but is also maybe potentially intended to sort of be like, yeah, it's fucking shit for all the women. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective to have on it. That Yeah, I think you're... Completely but at face right. value, they really just do make women look fucking crazy. I mean, they start off real hard with Joan Cusack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, straight Adam's family values Joan Cusack. She's yeah. freaking she's, me out. She's drinking during the day. Oh, yeah. She's, she's as I would quote, a wonderful lyricist of our time. She's cray. Yes. <laughs> oh, the beautiful roadmap that Adrian gave us of this movie. <laughs> then we, we meet Whoopi. And then we meet Whoopi. I love her introduction. I love it so much. Her theme song. Mm. I want that to be my theme song. The theme song, as, as one of you pointed out, that she seems to be able to hear in her own mind because she taps along to it and is kind of like walking along to it. Mm-hmm. 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 Like we, the, the music comes up. It's fun. It's, it's, it's bouncy. She gets off the bus. And then all of a sudden, she's like moving her head to it. Because she can hear it too and like squishes out her cigarette with her toe to the beat. And you're just, oh, oh, this is, we're in her head right now. like And mm-hmm. she's just coming off this bus with confidence. She is serving me. She's going to eat this day for lunch. Everything's yeah. going to go great. Absolutely. It mostly does. Mostly. Mo- yeah. Yeah. I I think that her interview scene with Manny is, is another like moment where it reminds us of the limitations for women because he asks for her references and she has, you know, a professor that she worked with. Um, and, and yeah, I worked with her for four years. Then what happened? I graduated. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's it's <laughs> it's not just the limitations on women, but women of color, kind yeah. of the first moment that that's flashed in the film. It is it is kind of the first nod to it. And it I think is the way it's used in this scene also foreshadows just his blindness to the fact of that. Like oh, it, yeah. it, yes, he it's he doesn't it, he's not clueless because he's necessarily racist or misogynistic. He's clueless because that's just he doesn't understand. He has no basis for knowing 
anything else other than what he's already experienced and it's it's yeah. not yeah it's it's exactly what it's like to not be part of a minority group in any way is the the experience of those groups is so far outside of your own experience that you can't imagine it right. and exactly. conveniently for you manny singer you don't have to mm, until right until then that yeah. sweet sweet white privilege not until he doesn't start kind of really thinking about Till like the last 10 minutes of the movie or something like that <laughs> a I, little bit earlier but okay yeah. i gotta take you on my brain detour please, please do. do tampon privilege printed down the side as a projectile take this white privilege oh <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm sorry we can go that would be like my favorite art piece <laughs> mm-hmm just my favorite tampon projectile be my favorite new weapon to use in hades Ooh, yes (laughs) that would be fantastic just every enemy is just a clueless white guy (laughs) (laughs) thank you sorry that that image is just Mm -hmm. really wonderful and is is delighting me god they didn't have tampons but did they have tampons in the 1959 don't think so but but maybe when were those invented i feel like i should know this yeah i feel like in 1959 it'd be like a big old pad just a big old like thick ass land a helicopter they didn't have the heimlich either so it was just a shitty (laughs) yeah yeah just watch someone die because you know they're choking on pasta well we get to meet wilma very briefly we have our, our very lovely Meeting with Wilma. Oh, Wilma. Yes. We, so Molly, who's, I don't know if we've emphasized this, but I, I love Tina Majorino. I love her as, a, as an actress, as a child actress. I, I think she was great in Veronica Mars too, but I, I, she's wonderful in this movie. She really, really is. Um, and she spends the first 31 minutes not talking. Because she's gone mute from the trauma, and Whoopi seems to be the only one who can kind of get through to her, but she still won't talk. So they're they you know go to a drive-in you know diner, and you know Wilma the the waitress comes over to get their order, and you know Molly still won't talk. So she has Wilma. She's like, okay, I used to be a waitress. Why don't you just sneak into the back of the car, take a load off? And she does, and Wilma's wonderful. She's just, she's so happy, she's so supportive, and she's so engaged in the, the drama of Whoopi trying to devise a system in which Molly doesn't have to talk, but can still communicate her desires. Mm-hmm. Which involves nose poking. Yes. She just needs a booper nose for yes. That's all mm-hmm. she's asking. Mm-hmm. And Wilma is selling her hard on the pecan pan- or the pecan waffles, I believe. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, there's there's a component to like the scene with Wilma as well as how like Karina gets the job. You know, mm. she sees Molly struggling for the orange and then when she comes out, she throws her one. Um, and then like the attention from Wilma that actually gets Molly to agree to pat her nose. It's it's like in kind of the aftermath of the mother, Annie, dying. There's a lot to manage. And like Molly's grief is somewhat unseen and Molly herself is somewhat unseen. Right. Like she's not present at the funeral. And how long does it take them to notice? Right. Um, So I feel like the, um, you know, she feels seen and that's why she honks the horn and that's why she pats the nose. And from there, it just keeps building until she she finally is 
you know, starting to be a kid again. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. And, and Ray Liotta's character is so focused on his grief and kind of getting back to normal that he doesn't want to talk about her mother. He doesn't really even want to share his grief with her at all. And there's this scene where she hears, I think she hears her mother's voice. Um, and and she it's, it's like late at night and she goes into her father's bedroom and he is watching a home movie on some curtains like across an open window and it seems like he's packing away some of her things like her makeup and her jewelry and just looking wrecked as fuck while he watches this. <laughs> and when she comes in, they just kind of stare at each other and he gets up but doesn't seem to know what to do other than just standing up. And she mm-hmm. runs out of the room. And, and so, so many of their interactions are sort of like that. Something He'll do something or something will be happening and she'll run out of the room and neither of them knows what to do because there's no therapy. Right. There's no grief yeah. and loss counseling and he's ill-equipped to deal with this and she's a seven-year-old. So it is, right. it is very much that, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like her, her grief and, and her as a person is, is, is largely unseen. Um, and... And I, I really feel, I mean, like, the movie does a really good job of portraying this. Like, he really does seem lost, and she really does seem traumatized and, and you know, and, and they're not connecting with each other even a little bit. And that's, it. like, it, 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 it feels bad. Like, it, it, like they, they do a really good job of, of really quickly letting you see how torn apart these two are with the loss of Annie. Yep. And you see how every slight misstep on his part further destroys her just a little bit. You know, there's, there's the, when the, some furniture that his, his past wife, you know, was having delivered shows up and, and the, the movers are just like, just, just, we'll talk to, you know, your wife about this. And he freezes and, can't bring himself to say that she's dead so he says she's in the bathtub and tina goes running into the bathroom and she's not there and then you just see her later just sitting in the bathtub and ray Liotta goes and looks in and it's just this what do you do with this this is terrible yeah mm-hmm. i it, it was interesting to watch the scene again at my current age because like when I when I saw it as a teenager like I understood death at that point in time right but I didn't understand what little kids like Molly's supposed to be seven in this movie and having recently spent some time over the summer with kids between five and seven and had them say incredibly inappropriate things about like oh that dog is old it's gonna die oh your grandma's 97 she's gonna die it's like kids really don't understand death at all like Mm -hmm. it that scene like pulled at my my heartstrings a little harder because i was like oh yeah no she fully thought her mom was in the tub right yeah her dad said it why wouldn't it be true exactly and you you really learned the extent to which she still doesn't understand it because when she finally starts talking literally the first words out of her mouth are basically is dead forever is my mom ever coming back Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't help but feel like if I was Whoopi's character, I would kind of wish she would go back to not talking because it's just immediately <laughs> heavy ass questions. Is my mom yeah. coming back? Okay, 
what is death? Because my dad's an atheist, so he says it's forever. And Whoopi's, and th- this is the secret Jesus. And Whoopi's like, your mom's in heaven. Isn't it? It's, it's much more comforting. Like she she went to, the angels really wanted to to hang out with her. And, you know, your dad's really sad because he's just jealous of all the time they get to spend with her. And then Molly's like, well, then I want to die so that I can spend time with my mom. Yep. So then you have to feel that, okay, um, heaven is great. So your mom is there and happy. And you can join her, just not yet, because that's not how it works. Yep. But it is, it's, you are starting at ground level with just kind of the understanding of like what death is and then having to deal with it that does not involve, I don't know, getting your mom's dress and laying on the ground next to it and putting your hand in its pocket like she's still there. That visual guts me. Megan's reaction to that. Like, having never seen that, I feel like this whole movie, because I always cry when I see this movie, this whole movie, I was, like, staring at Megan on the Zoom, like, is it happening? Is it going to happen? But, like, you know, all I see is, like, the reflection of her screen and her glasses. So it was, like... dark, yeah. But, yeah. And and you also have, like, you also have, like, resting kind face. So it's hard to tell if you're, like, thinking nice thoughts Mm -hmm. or, like, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, like... Look at that. Look at that face. I know. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, it's resting comfort face. That's what it is. Comfort face. Mm. Like, it's just very comforting. Just mm. That's true. That that scene was a punch in the heart, though. Like, (laughs) I think Adrian said right before it happened, you're not ready for this. (laughs) I was not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was not. No. You're not ready. You're not ready. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She has, yeah. The little girl has the hand in the pocket as if she's like holding her mom's hand in her. And that like precious, precious little red with polka dots and big white buttons. Like everything about everything we're thought taught about Annie is kind of precious. So Mm -hmm. it's it's really (sighs) I'm still not ready. (laughs) You do have. Whoopi's character is is 100% the therapist, not just for her, but for also for Ray Liotta's character. And they she gets them to talk about it. And she gets them to feel about it. Like, there's a scene that really I found affecting the first time I saw it and, and, and affecting and this, this go through, too, because so often you focus on, like, how sad it all is. And you know, the joy that they used to bring into your lives. And, and then, you know, the moving on part is beautiful, but, you know, there's still a little melancholy, but it's okay. You don't focus on the anger. You don't focus on the rage. Right. And that's that's legitimate. And and it having Molly, you know, the young character express it first, just this incoherent, incomprehensible, I don't know what to do with it, rage. Mm-hmm. And, and for him to echo it, too. For like to have the adults also kind of say, I'm mad at her too for leaving. It's not like she wanted to, but like you, it's it's not logical. It's just a feeling and it needs to be expressed. And like Whoopi created a space in which they could be like, yeah, aren't you mad? Yeah, now, she even named the motion, yeah. Exactly. And then like they punched, you know, like the bopping clowns that had like the weighted bottoms and they were like inflatable. Like it's, get mad, feel that feeling. It's part of it. And also just seeing a little girl be allowed to be mad is is not something I'm used to seeing. 
Yeah, I yeah, I mean it's it's such a wonderful contrast to like the opening scene where she's at her mom's funeral and they they took this girl this like straight brown hair and gave her Shirley Temple curls. Right. So it's not bad enough that her mom died. You're gonna torture her by using a curling iron wow. in the fifties mm-hmm. on her I hair. Had not even because thought of that. God forbid you not be cute today. Fucking yeah. right. Perfect little Boy dress, cow. perfect little white shoes, and Shirley Temple curls. Yep. Wow, that's a that's a really good observation. I hadn't that I had Yeah. I hadn't well, I've I've laughed you a couple that. times on this one, maybe. <laughs> maybe a little bit. It it really I feel like it is kind of an impressive and I'm I'm not surprised that the writer herself experienced the loss of her mother. Like it is it is a really and it's also not it's it's linear in the sense that you you know you're going through time, but it's not it's almost like you're getting vignettes of their lives and moments I together. I literally wrote that down. I said it's a series of vignettes in my notes. <laughs> like in a good way, in a really no, no, good yeah. way. Because it, yeah. it, it is just kind of you have the moment of the rage and you have, you know, once she starts going back to school, but she doesn't want to go back to school, she starts cleaning houses with Whoopi Goldberg because, hey, guess mm-hmm. what? She has to have multiple jobs. Right. She can't just be a nanny. She has to, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Annie have, in the morning and the evening and then, yeah, clean houses take, during the day. And then also help her sister take care of her family while she goes off to exactly. work multiple jobs. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it is, you, you, you have like almost stolen moments between her and Tina Margarino, like in, you know, her family home in these houses that they're cleaning. And, and it's just kind of a series of conversations and processing life. Like once you kind of get through just the grief it is then just kind of understanding, like, how do I function as a person? And also, what is race? Because I didn't have to think about it until I met you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your lovely nieces and nephews. You mean Percy? Percy. Oh, Percy. Oh, every other kid in this movie, it's like they just found somebody on the street and were like, you're cute. Can you just mug in this movie for a while? And Percy does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kid is on. Percy triggered my cry moment in this most recent iteration of watching this movie. Mm, really? Which, which yeah. part of... Yeah. yeah. Right at the end. Right, right at the at end, the yeah. End. Yep. yeah. So there, there are a lot of moments, like, emotionally, again, like, not having spent a lot of time with young kids when I first started seeing this movie, and even when I, like, watched it again in grad school and I was in my late 20s. Um, but now, like, as an adoptive parent who, who has had, you know, my kid, like, throw fits of seemingly rage right because she's afraid of something that she doesn't have words for and like understanding the complexity of those emotions and then like going through the pandemic and hitting a point with Sneha that I was like showing her how to hit a pillow in her room because she was mad at the pandemic and and in the process of showing her how to like get some of that anger out and not direct it at other people I myself like broke down I I see this part of the film um, where Molly is sitting on the bench after her first day of school and Karina is late, right? And Karina mm-hmm. is late because she has a hustle. She has to make money in all kinds of different ways. And, you know, she's got these like daisy chain dependencies with other family members getting home to watch the kids. Um, because, you know, black families, they don't have money for childcare. So they've just got to pass it around in the family. Very real. Um, but, but like seeing Tina sit on that bench hit me in a way that it never had before, because it doesn't manifest at that moment that she's afraid of being abandoned now by Karina. It manifests the next time she has to go to school. 
you might think it's manipulative. You might think like, you know, she's, she's breaking out the waterworks every day, but like that is genuine fear. That is like in her like lowest level function of her brain in her lizard brain. She is terrified of losing Karina. And, um, so I, I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting all of my life experience into the movie, but there, there were so many like little things that, that hit home in an emotional way. And so hearing that like this was based on someone's life experience, like it's like, oh, of course it was because you never, you never could have done it otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are so many details, so many complexities that are shown, not told. Like it's, it, it really is, it, it's in the acting, it's in the writing and it, it really, it's, it's there to see, but it's not going to tell you that it's there. It, it really is there to just kind of, mm-hmm. which is impressive. And it's not 39%. Just going to put that mm-hmm. out there. Just remind people. Yeah. Not 39%. Yeah. And the racism, like the, the, the Whoopi Goldberg's experience as a black woman is also not it's not necessarily overt and it's not, especially in the beginning, it's all Mm -hmm. very subtle things in the beginning. And the first semi overt reference to race is 55 minutes into the film. Um, And she's, she's been working for Ray Liotta for a while. um, And he's just learned that she is, you know, loves jazz music and speaks like a poet about it she just she loves music she loves the same music he does music is actually a really big part of the film there's there's a whole soundtrack to it it kind of defines moments and beats in the movie and it's one of the things they connect most over and after he hears the way she speaks about it he's like you should why don't you do that for a living you should you should be writing you know the the liner notes of these records and she's like they don't they let us play the music. They don't let us write about it. Like, there's no mm-hmm. follow-up to that. There's no, hey, it's, right. you know, a black and white thing. It's just a, it's it's her giving him this look of, you should know this. I shouldn't have to tell you this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a, um, there's a bunch of microaggressions, mm. right? Oh, before yeah, that moment. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would have defined them as microaggressions before. Maybe I didn't have that vocabulary, but you know, she goes to clean these rich white ladies' houses and they mispronounce her name and just, just all these tiny little things. Like, yeah, I know you, you work for me. Your name is butthead or whatever it is. Just make sure you wash all the windows. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it kind of builds on the same theme. You know, she's helping him through a block with his, you know, pudding jingle. He's like, have you ever had a block before? Yeah all my life mm-hmm. and again it's not you know because i'm black it's just she just gives him that look of really dude mm-hmm. yeah the slow awakening of manny singer it is the slow gentle awakening of mm-hmm. manny singer it, it's and it, it feels so much like like growing up in vermont i'm not particularly dark-skinned and i definitely don't look black um but in vermont i stand out enough and here the approach is we don't see race um, for, for if, if you're it's, it's gotten a bit better but it's if you're kind of a white liberal in this state it was well we don't see race and it, it felt a lot like that it's that he he didn't see any difference she's just a really intelligent well-spoken person who should be writing these liner notes and who, who should be succeeding at things and it's it's a complete 
dismissal of her lived experience because the world does in fact see race. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another way in which it's kind of ahead of its time, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that that is a narrative like the 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 narrative right now about like the convenience of raising a white child who doesn't have to think about race versus raising a black child who can't avoid thinking about it and has to have a whole sit down talk about safety with their parents is something that's very relevant to 2020 and that I feel like people just kind of woke up to and and it's in this movie yeah it's all throughout it so um yeah new things to appreciate there and combined with the seven-year-old white girls awakening to that different lived experience as well right Mm -hmm. Because it's not just her interactions with Karina. And also there there are just a handful of incidences in which Karina, Ray Liotta, and Tina, Molly's character, are, are all together outside of the house. And, and you know, the one of the most memorable ones is the one at the Chinese restaurant that does lead to an altercation where Molly hears the N-word for the first time. And it's in such an ambiguous context that all she knows is that it referred to the fact that Ray Liotta, a white man likes Whoopi Goldberg, a black woman. And she like she hears the term, it's it's another N-word lover. Um, and it's, it's a, an incidence in which, you know, a patron grabs Whoopi thinking she works there because of course she works at the Chinese restaurant. Um, but it's, she then uses that word to reference her friendship with Whoopi Goldberg's niece. And it's, it, it's pretty realistic in terms of, you know, how... She, she just heard a new word. She's trying to contextualize and understand it. She's like, I understand what the word love means, and I love you. You're my best friend. So let me go ahead and give it a go. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the little girl's response to it is also really... Because I've been... I'm, again, not particularly dark-skinned, but the fun thing with racism is that once they learn your dad's black, it kind of doesn't matter whether or not you actually look black. So I've definitely been called this word. But the first time, I had no clue. I was in kindergarten. I didn't know what Mm -hmm. it meant. I knew Mm -hmm. it wasn't in a good context, but I I had no idea what it meant. The next several times, I did know it was bad. And I knew it was... like Because it was almost always preceded by like violence of some kind so but i didn't necessarily know why i just knew it was because my dad was black and it was bad and 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 the little girl's response in this movie is so realistic Mm -hmm. because she she says you can't use that word molly she's like why not i don't know but i do know it means you think you're better than me and it, it it's that I, I can't tell you the deep social, political, historical context of why this word is bad and you can't use it against me, but I know enough to know viscerally, at a base level, that's what this means. Mm-hmm. Like yep. in the 1994 movie, and you had two yeah. kids having this conversation while also adorably having the same conversation of, do you taste like chocolate? I don't know. Do you taste like vanilla? And then they lick each other to find out. Like it's... I, yeah. It, it, it brings back childhood memories for me. Like I, I went to a school where um, I feel like my sisters and I were, you know, at least 50% of the black kids. <laughs> it mm-hmm. got a little better in high school and there was a little bit more. There was one other, there was one other black woman and one black man in my uh, high school um, college prep courses. 
So there were three of us Ooh. on the college prep track at that point. But, um, the, you know, the moments with like, you know, does your skin smell different and your skin, da, da, da. I remember like being at band camp and everyone was like, why is your, like someone touched me and they're like, your skin is crazy hot. And I was like, it's dark, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just little moments where like, yeah, you, you hadn't noticed like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, little moments where you have to like tell your friends, like we're different. It's okay. I'm cool with it, but th- mm-hmm. there is a difference, right? Yep. Um, it brought back a lot of those kind of memories for me. And even, yeah, I mean, it's not like it stops. Like you go someplace where um, they're not used to seeing people of color, like being in Greenland, like the most magical kind of racial stereotyping that has occurred to me in my whole life happened in Greenland. Um, and there was this little girl who would stare at me every day when I went to the cafe. And eventually her mom had the cashier who was like the only English speaking person talk to me about it. And she said that the little girl thinks I'm a princess because my hair was curly. And I was like, curly. Okay. That's one way of describing it. (laughs) Um, So many, so many moments, so many like explanations, celebrations of difference that kind of make your bonds deeper, like were captured for me by these, these kids. And the other interesting things thing that happens is when these two girls are having this conversation the brother jumps in and like yells at molly because she shouldn't molly shouldn't be talking that way about his sister and calls her all kinds of names but then that makes the sister defend molly like like the the tables turn very quickly Mm, because of you know that's my best friend (laughs) like yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's not the brother. It's not the girl's brother. Cause like, oh, the three, the yeah, the three black kids um, and Molly have become friends at this point. They're, yeah. they're a troop. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, just another random kid in the choir who, who exactly like Molly has heard racist language and doesn't understand what it means and starts throwing it out. Yep. Um, and again, just enough awareness to say, no, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not who yeah. she is. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Memories. Oh, dear. Sorry. I also, it's, 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 it's I was, yeah. TJ and I were basically take, the only brown kids in every school. It, yeah. <laughs> it takes you places. It really does. And, Just, and, uh, and it's, it's amazing to look back at, because like in the moment you're thinking about all the things like a normal kid is thinking about. It's only sometimes when it's like really in your face. And, you know, violent or, or those words that, you know, other people aren't supposed to use that you see it and, until you look at it in retrospect and you're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, that, the other thing. There, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I, it, it really took me until college before I started suspecting being treatedly, treated differently because of my race a lot of the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Uh, very much so. I, I. In my case, it was also further confused by the fact that my mother is white. So I, and I was raised by her. So there was no, there's no context. There's no education. There's no awareness. It it was, Mm -hmm. and to the point where I wouldn't have even have known to tell her any of the things that were going on. Right. So it is, it's that I'm, I'm also glad I didn't know because I I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. think I could have handled carrying around the paranoia that you now carry around just kind of wondering Wait, did that interaction go that way? Because because so rarely is it overt that you're just kind of 
wondering and trying to kind of quantify and then also decide, does it matter uh, in this particular instance? And, and so I, I think you have enough to deal with as a kid that you shouldn't also have to start to parse apart like, hmm, was that a microaggression? Was this a implicit bias? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got we got deep. We got pensive. <laughs> this movie gets you there. Like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty complex and and it is. It's su- subtly so in some ways, mm-hmm. and and maybe yeah, maybe not so much in other ways. Mm. There's really yeah. So one of the moments where it you know things become more overt is when um, Molly's mom is worried about oh sorry Molly's mom Manny's mom is worried mm-hmm. about Molly behaving like the black kids right mm-hmm. so she's got her hair and her little braids yeah. and she's singing a jazzy beat and polishing silver and it's like oh you look way too much like the maid right now you know mm-hmm. and then even her because as as Manny and and Karina get closer the neighbor sees it and calls Manny's mom to oh, tell, yeah. yep. tell her what's going on. And it's his mom's advice isn't, well, because she's black, this is messed up. It's it just doesn't work that way. And and she busts out the line of, you know, a fish and a bird might love each other, but where would they live? Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, she says, where would they build their nest? And where I'm would like, they build their assuming? nest? Yes. Assuming they have a nest. Exactly. Not mm-hmm. all fish have nests. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly, you see Manny as the bird and Karina as the fish. I know all I need to know about you now. Yeah, there you go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then and uh, Manny seems confused that someone would even call her to tell. Like again, going to his obliviousness. Like he mm-hmm. has no idea. He's yeah, he just doesn't. Yep. And so once he's, he's not aware of it, not thinking that. Exactly. And and once he's made aware of it, he becomes belligerent about it. It's, it's I don't care what you think. If I, I'm mm-hmm. going to touch this woman, if I want. It's, it's there, I think there's a moment where they're flying a kite with Molly and they're standing mm-hmm. close together. And the, the disapproving neighbor is pretending to cut their shrubbery very loudly so that, you know, he's aware that she can see. And once he notices it, he pulls it, puts an arm around Karina and pulls her in even closer. Mm-hmm. As just kind of a, mm, nah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's, you know, the, the natural reaction to, oh, Manny, you can't date this black woman. So I'm going to match you up with Jenny. Oh, dear. You've met Jenny, right? Like they got, you know, they had a set up at a party, right? Yeah. But it gets like more aggressive at this point. Um, so like Manny, this is like right after the Jello ad lands mm-hmm. and Manny wins a new account. The new Mr. Bromite account. Um, and Jenny shows up at the door with, you know, champagne and uh, congratulations, Manny Singer. And his <laughs> mother called her like, you need yeah. to go over there. Right. right. She like yeah. sends in her spy. She mm-hmm. she wants to crash this party. And Manny had come home with flowers for Karina and for Molly. Right. And had a plan, you know, to treat them to dinner. He had his own agenda. And Jenny comes in just and Jenny, it. yeah, wrecks it and like very much um, calls Karina the wrong name, Catch starts ordering now. her around right away, <laughs> just very yep. much treating oh, her. Oh, is, is this your girl? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I don't yeah. even think it's intended to put her in her place. It really just does seem like this is natural. This is this is how you treat the help. And she is yeah. the help. So go yeah. go take this right. dom and put it on ice. And Manny, while later on he tells uh, Karina that he wanted to spend the night with her, let's Karina go and let's Jenny stay. Like he does not at this moment stand up for her. Nope. Manny fails every awkward moment in the film. He absolutely mm, does. Like he repressed emotions. I don't know what's wrong with you, man. But yeah. when when your kid sees you watching a movie of your dead wife, you have to hug the kid. Oh yes, you yeah. do. That kid yeah. needs a hug. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, this is just another like freeze up yeah. Manny moment. Yeah. Um, and the the fallout the next day is pretty interesting. Karina quits. Karina quit. That's right. She comes to the door and quits. That's right, right, right. Mm-hmm. She gives She's him a one like, week notice. She gives him a one week notice, which is more mm-hmm. than he deserves. I work for you nine to five. That's it. No overtime. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 I hear you. I'm sorry. I fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which does a good job of informing oh she's in charge of this relationship like mm-hmm. there was that kind of that the power dynamic of like he does pay her and and she has access to him and, and, and his child through employment but then there's there's a, there's a reversal where she's like no i i set the terms i set the terms here manny if you're gonna be a passive weirdo <laughs> this is what's going to happen right mm-hmm. right and then she helps him on with his blazer. And, oh. and then they kiss each other on the cheek before. <laughs> like b- before they even know they did it. Just, yep. yeah. yeah and they both look at each other and like, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I did okay. enjoy that exchange. It's it's just kind of that he's trying to get his coat on. She goes to help him. And then it's that natural progression on the doorstep of, and then we kiss each other on the cheek goodbye because, mm-hmm. oh shit, that's not what we are to each other. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. and they have that look on their face of it's it's very sweetly done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It obviously can't go perfectly well, so there has to be you know some some turning point, and that happens because of the truancy, the truancy that was mentioned mm-hmm. in the rap. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Of course, Whoopi has been safe sheltering Tina in in outside of school because she just didn't feel ready to go back, but she's kind of been pushing her. You know, you, you got to go back tomorrow. You got to go back tomorrow. Here's a notebook. You really do have to go back tomorrow. And unfortunately, before she goes back and, and you know, before Karina tells Manny that this has been happening, he finds out and kind of loses it, which makes yeah. the, and they're not, they're both in the wrong and they're both right. Yeah. She should have told him they were lying yeah. to him. Truancy isn't great, but also probably Molly wasn't ready to go back to school. Yeah. 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 And he fires her, which is. And he fires her. Yeah. Oof. Just yeah. Like, he says two things to her. He says, you're not her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are fired. And the you are fired for me hit way harder. Yep. Like, yeah. you're not her mother. Factual. Yeah. yeah. Truth. You're fired. Oh, because that's what I am to you. Because, right. Yeah, because that's our relationship. Yeah. Suddenly Even she though, has the help again. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though I think it was the night before they, they, they danced in the backyard and made out. So. Oh. Which was mm-hmm. so cute. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they dance. It's lovely. They're loving the music. And the night he cooked for her, grilled hot dogs beautifully. And yep. after they kiss, Karina's just like, look at the window, Manny. And it's just Tina Margarino just grinning and staring <laughs> at them. <laughs> and then she scampers off. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So he comes and he, he goes to um, 
Karina's sister's house, Javina's house. And he's, you know, he's yelling and raging and he takes Molly home and Molly's just like fully breaking down in tears and like in classic movie fashion, like all of the dominoes fall while he's like trying to get Molly to to talk to him about the truancy. The phone rings and it's because his father has died. Mm-hmm. And and his father is like the other special person in Molly's life that she mm-hmm. has a unique relationship that is all her own with. Yeah. Um. So as devastating as it is to lose a parent like you're just like oh no molly like that's her that's her last special person yeah right especially since he just ripped her away from karina so yep Mm -hmm. yeah but then you get to see how much progress she's made with karina because you see her comforting her grandmother Mm -hmm. with like the tools that being with karina has given her including like the songs like she's she's Mm -hmm. like trying to get her grandmother to sing a spiritual with her at the end and there's we call it sneak jesus but it's it's kind of a light touch like karina is is clearly spiritual to a certain extent and manny is an atheist and molly's character is kind of the perfect middle ground of that where karina tells her comforting stories about heaven manny says this that's all it is it's just comforting stories to make people feel better when something bad happens and molly's response is what's so bad about that yeah and so it's not really trying to make you think one thing or another. And, and it's almost kind of the perfect encapsulation of not taking a side. It's just, so what if this is what you want to think? Doesn't it help to think it? Like, so what if it's not true? This is helping me get through this. I like this story. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep going with it. Like, there's... Yeah. Yeah. like. I can punch a potato head and it's not really feeling anything, but it's helping me. But it's right, like, yeah. I'm expressing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this scene of the funeral also gives you like one of the most precious like filming aspects of the movie where there's all the coats on the bed and Molly is hiding under all the coats. Mm-hmm. Her little eye peeping through a little coat button. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, a little magical moment, right? Like yeah. really capturing the mind of a child, the grieving of a child in a way that is truly special. It really does help to know that's like an adult woman who went through this wrote this movie. Like it is it's it's and and directed it. That you can really mm-hmm. feel that she had a particular view and did it put put a lot of effort into kind of capturing being able to show you mm-hmm. that experience. Yeah, because I mean it's 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 yeah, it so perfectly encapsulates that like death for grown ups is a combination of a business transaction and an emotional experience and for kids it's entirely emotional Mm -hmm. there's yeah yeah, none of the same structure none of the same to-do list none of the same logistics to take care of it really is just all internal yeah Mm -hmm. so good yeah but don't worry manny and whoopi wind up together manny and karina wind up together whoopi and ray wind Mm -hmm. up together (laughs) beautifully in the end his father dies and it makes him realize the people he loves mm-hmm. and that the people who should be in his life and and that that it wasn't it wasn't as important to to that she lied about it that she kept something from him what was important is that she was in their lives and she's like that's nice to hear you can go now <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. and then comes out to give him the notebook that she'd made for karina or for for molly and to, only to find him um, talking out loud to the sky. 
I guess in an attempt to pray while also crying. And that just does it for her. Yeah. I can own this man. I can see there's 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 enough here that I'm into it. And also, I'm pretty sure I can just he's mine. He's mine to do with this, I please. <laughs> and then she invites him in and he, he sits down and meets the family and the kids are freaking adorable. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're... Oh. Yeah. This, this last scene, as mm. much as it's about Manny and Karina, it's about Percy. It's yeah, Percy. Like, yeah. Manny pulls up in his car and Percy's like, he's back! And runs into the house. <laughs> <laughs> the angry white guy's back! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Manny walks in the house and Percy's like just agape. Like yeah. the most agape. Like put it in the dictionary. He's agape. Yep. <laughs> Jamina's like, pick your drop off the floor, Percy, and pull up a chair. And then for whatever reason, iteration number 6,241, when Percy says, go on, sit right there. That's when I cried. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it was so cute, though. It's adorable. It genuine and just yes, so Percy. Yeah. It's yes, and it, it's it's so wonderful. So I mean, like this kid, like again, as a black kid, you have to know things that other kids don't know. So he knows that having this white man in his house is crazy. So he goes from like full on jaw on the floor to. I can accept this. I can work mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's it's that combination of having to know and understand your place and your race, but also like the innocence of a child and the, the being open to change. Like all in that moment. Yep. Yep. Just like, whoa, yeah. this is not a thing that I'm prepared to deal with, but I am prepared to deal with hospitality and welcomingness. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. then Ray and, uh no right then Manny and Percy shake hands which is also something adorable about that yeah adorable. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I I love the little snippets of Whoopi's home life too like in between her and her sister and her sister's husband and just you know some of their offhand conversations her sister's you know disapproval and um even you know her getting the rejection letter letter from the you know liner notes companies because she she karina mm-hmm. is is trying e- even though yeah. she knows it's probably not going to happen she continues to submit her writing um and articles on you know music and she's rejected again and again and again and her sister's a part of it she opens them for her she reads them for her and she never tells her she, i don't even think in this scene she tells her to give up on her dream it's there's a cynicism there to the fact that like they're never going to take you you're a black woman no matter how talented you are but it's mm-hmm she's still willing to open the letters with her and to like hope with her for just a second. And there's, there's mm-hmm. something really, really nice about those scenes. There's, it's, it is beautiful. It's like cool little vignettes of like these three people's lives that mm-hmm. mesh together and then end in, you know, a romance that's going to get real dark sometimes. But in the moment mm-hmm. we leave it is beautiful. They need to move into the black neighborhood. Yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll solve most of your problems, Manny. Don't go to any Christmas parties. Move Mm-mm. to the black neighborhood. You're going to be better off. He really is. Because black people are better. Oh. True. Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> Someone had to. The truth. <laughs> so, on the rock scale, what would you rate this movie? Regrettable, Outstanding, Crazables, or K? This one's outstanding for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just is. Yeah. Sweet, funny, it's sad, it's 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 a mixed racial couple that's set in the 50s. I mean, I don't even get mixed racial couple couples set in the 90s and 2000s. Like it's mm-hmm. I like to see that sometimes, okay? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, not a little mixed racial kid running around in this one, but there's still the beginnings of that in there. The proto mm-hmm. me. I want to see myself in movies is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also Whoopi Goldberg. And also Tina Majorino and just everything. Yeah. Every, I love this movie. Yeah. Their their relationship in this movie shines so more than anything sweet. else. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. the dancing by the pool scene. Just when they're cleaning, when they're having fun, when they're emoting. It's just so good. And she's a really good therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is outstanding for me, regardless of the number of iterations. There will be more. There will be more tears. Uh if you can't get into Tina Majorino's version of Pennies from Heaven, oh, I don't want to be a friend. <laughs> I don't want you to follow me on Facebook. I don't want you to read my tweets if I ever write a tweet. Mm-hmm. Skip my funeral. <laughs> Eat more bacon. Mm-hmm. Saturated fat is your friend. Driving off cliffs is safe. <laughs> Just in case the bacon doesn't get them fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Yeah. I endorse those statements. Yes. Adrian, do you have a Sneha story? I feel like all Sneha stories at this point are like a multi-chapter epic tale. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Sneha started school. Uh, she's in kindergarten, which is not appropriate for her academically. And... Um, I'm sure we'll have more stories about that. But uh, she caught COVID at school because mask mandate, irrelevant, you know, just crowd the kids together in, you know, kindergarten and let them talk to each other and spit on each other. So she wears a mask to school every day, but lots of kids don't. And um, so about seven kids in her class caught COVID all at the same time. And she did fairly well. Like, um, it was really hard to figure out when she had caught COVID because, um, Michael had a crazy, crazy cough, um, right? Bef- but that wasn't COVID right before she had it. So, I mean, that speaks well to her symptoms and how well she did. But she had to stay home. And we decided, since her symptoms were so sort of surprising or, or surprising in their absence or confusing with allergies and everything, um, that we would go based on her testing date. So she was tested on a Wednesday. And that meant she had to stay out of school the entire next week for us to feel safe sending her back. So Michael stayed home that whole week. And that whole week, like, see how at the beginning of the school year was like, I'm trying to decide if the other kids in my class are babies. You know, this is one of her nighttime confessions, like things she only talks about, like when she's laying in bed processing. Like she, she's like totally different person, always has been. But I'm trying to decide if the other kids in my class are babies because they whine a lot. It's like, yeah, some of them are, you know, just barely five, right? You get it. You're almost six, right? She went from that to like, all of a sudden she's home for a week from COVID and she's whining all the time. And we're just like, what is up with our kid? What's going on? So she goes back to school this week and we have another bedtime confession on Monday. And Sneha's like talking about how like when she gets to school, she goes to the cafeteria for her second breakfast because she's a child hobbit and she <laughs> doesn't get the food because she doesn't know what has meat in it, but 
she definitely gets the orange juice and the apple juice. And instantly I'm like, that's it. She's she's missing her fix. Yep. yep. There's no sugar, sugar hit in the morning. Yep. Oh, yep. No. Has turned my child into a nightmare. <laughs> it's like, I, I see you now. Mm-hmm. I see you now. Yep. So, Just again, fiending for the sweet so sugar juice. Yep. Yes. <laughs> it's great. And it's like, it's, it's weird because it's like sad in a way because like I've deprived her of juice to the point that like those little four ounce little cups we have to peel back the foil. Like yep. she is obsessed with them. Right. Right. Like I think of having one of those or even seeing one of those or someone giving me one of those on a tray and I would just hand it to someone else. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. be interested at all. But for her, it's like the gold. Mm-hmm. Yes. The best you know? there is. Yeah. But yeah. No, all Sneha's stories at this point are an epic tale. Like she's, she's so bizarre. She's so different every day. Like I'm pretty sure today she was like 10. Three days ago, she was four. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just Sounds about bizarre. right. Yeah. Time travel in layers. Mm. There's just a lot there. Yeah. yeah. And then they become adults and we're awful. But it's going to be interesting. I wonder how long she'll go without developing an internal monologue. Because like right now, if I need <laughs> to know any of Sneha's secrets, I just need to wait until she's already in bed. Yeah. <laughs> and they come pouring out. Like, let me just stay three extra minutes tonight and see what comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, do you have an Abby story? Um, I have another Maddie story, Ooh. which is, um, <laughs> I was, uh, I think it was when we were turning from Vermont, um, I, w- I was giving, uh, giving hugs, um, and, uh, Maddie was already, I'd already given Maddie a hug, but she wanted, she was now strapped into her, um, uh, car seat and she wanted one more hug, um, which I was informed by dad and erica so i opened the door to give her one more hug i opened the door i leaned in she sneezed right on my face oh boy (laughs) it's just like come on in for a good old-fashioned face sneeze (laughs) anyway pretty great did you also get a hug yes there was also a hug i'm glad it wasn't just like a ruse as you hugged her, did you wipe her face, <laughs> just your face on just her like, shoulder? I'm just going to just real quick. I'm going to give that right back to you. <laughs> put a towel yep. off now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe she did you a favor. I mean, in the post-pandemic world, you catch everything if you haven't been out in public. So, I mean, she just gave your immune system me. that little kick yeah. that it needs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just need to keep 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 a gentle influx of germs to yes. keep the immune system working. Does anybody have a recommendation? I mean, I recommend this movie. Watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's on yeah. Tubi. You can watch it on Tubi right now. You can watch you it on Tubi with just a few commercials, yeah. Since the last time I watched this one, it means different things to me now. Yeah, that's really yeah, that's really interesting as a parent now to kind of see spending more time with small children. Um, we also have um, Chris to thank for uh, demanding this movie. Yes, thank you, Chris. Chris. We appreciate you. This was a wonderful idea and gave us another opportunity to have Adrian as a guest, which is just the best Mm -hmm. thing. Yep. A a, a programming note that I've been meaning to bring up is that for a little while, at least, we're going to be going to every other week as a podcast. Just as a general programming note for everyone. I wrote it on Twitter. You you four, four to five people, I'm sorry. I'm so yes. sorry. 
exactly. You're going to be depriving us. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, are mad about our programming note and or mm-hmm. want to make a recommendation of your own that we yes. may potentially follow through on. May or may not. Who knows? I hear there are ways to reach us, Megan. Yes. Um, you can go to Bad Movies Rock on Twitter or uh, Bad, Movies Rock, uh, Bad Movies Rock Podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach us directly. I will check that email soon. Oh, dear. That suggests... That maybe you haven't looked at that email for a while. No one's ever written us, so it's a little hard to... It's a oh my little... god. Prove her wrong, people. <laughs> Reach out and gently stroke us just to prove her wrong. Oh no. Oh no. Not like Jenny. Just like Jenny. Oh my gosh. Never been with any man other than my husband. Why are we just jumping into this conversation right what? now? What did you say before this to get this going on this track, Ray Liotta? I, I, I doubt you intended it to go here. What's happening? It, the other thing I'll say about that is like the flexure in her fingers, like the way they're like flexed up as she's rubbing her hand across herself, doesn't inspire confidence. No. It's like, I've never want someone to touch me like that. No, no, that didn't. That wasn't. That would feel sensuous. Awkward. It was just sort of like an yeah. alien who saw someone do something sensual and was like, "I think I can replicate this." Yes. I think I'm supposed yeah. to stick my tongue really far into your ear. Yeah, yeah. as far as it'll go. It's, it's very, it's bizarre. Mm. Hating on Jenny is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Honestly, <laughs> at Harry's funeral, she makes her kids call um, Manny's mom grandma. She's like, go right? give this to grandma. That seems really oh, inappropriate. Yeah. That's not their grandma. She's trying so hard. She's trying too hard. It's, it's hard not to hate on her. Yeah. Oh, Jenny. Go find your bliss. It's not here. Mm-hmm. It's not yet yeah, somewhere else. My joy meter went up, though. <laughs> another, another four points. Yep. Well, I would like to close out this episode like I always We've do. We've had such a lovely time. I feel like we, we went deep. We said some nice things. I, I feel like we've analyzed this movie beautifully, and I feel like the best way to cap it off is to do so with respect and with class, Megan. Can you fucking do that? I can, by saying R.I.P. Rock in peace. Oh my god, you're a monster. You're a monster. Do you, would you take a freaking shit on the Sistine Chapel? I mean, it would be hard. It would be hard because it's up. And the poop goes down, but I'm sure you'd fucking find a way to do that like you found a way to do this. You goddamn monster. There are so many ways that's wrong. (laughs) People died in this movie. People we liked. I don't know you, Annie, singer, but I liked you. Mm -hmm. Had a nice dress for sure. Had a great dress. Racism in practice. (laughs) Exactly. The trauma, Megan. Adrian, it's wonderful to have you as always. Thank you. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. Yay. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.